have a whole week to work out if I say something wrong, right? <laughs> well, honestly, I'm, I'm sure I I'm, have the, probably the least Bible training of any of the speakers this week. So, give me grace. If I do say something wrong, it's not intentional. Yeah, I'm a country boy. Simple. Thank you, Val. Bless you. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. God, thank you for your sweet presence. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the gentle way you lead us. God, you're so kind, so patient. God, I pray that you would enter this meeting tonight as a gentle rain. God, we always pray for your power, and we want to see, and that's cool. We like we like to see the powerful stuff, God, but we want this rain to sink in. Pour it on our hearts, God. God, we're so thankful for you, God. I was telling Pastor Lonnie last night after Ralph spoke. <laughs> I, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Heidi Baker. I hope that's not heresy to mention the name. Okay. <laughs> All these churches are different. I don't know. <laughs> Micah, my, my, uh, um, maybe, was it you who told me to about, I don't know. I just recently learned about Heidi Baker, so um, I was watching uh, video of her, and, and and she had this thing that God did with her. She was following a speaker who was really, really ridiculously good and had all their notes all perfectly planned out, and it was powerful, and it was anointed, and the Holy Spirit was moving, and all this stuff, you know, moving. And and she was like, I want to I wanna have that type of power, you know, because I, I, she was following this speaker, and she was just, like, overcome by this desire to run to the bookstore and, like, study up on stuff and have quotes and, and all, all of this stuff that's not really her. And, and as she was going to the bookstore, her feet got heavier and heavier and, and until she collapsed in front of the bookstore. And she couldn't move another inch. And, and she looked up and she saw shoes. And God spoke to her and said, I gave you the shoes that you're walking in. And I gave him the shoes that he's walking in. And you can't walk in his shoes or you'll fall over. And if he tried to walk in your shoes, they'd fall over. So I, 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 um, I'm just humbled to be here. And, and um, I'm just really, yeah. And I really love you guys. This, this past week, I don't know. I, I, I have this thing. I cry a lot. Yeah, I just feel like God. It, so, a little a little background. I, I went to YWAM back in two thousand and uh, two. Was it two thousand one? I thought it was two. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I came out of a lot of stuff. Maybe I'll share that with you over the course of the night. I have no idea. Maybe, <laughs> but 
but I had a really hard heart. And things were happening in there. I'd had this experience with God, and I knew he was real, or I thought so. And all like DTS is designed to wreck you. I don't know how, how many of you are familiar with why Youth with a Mission, but like the D- Discipleship Training School is designed to get at all the painful junk in your heart and get it out of there. Like so, it's it's a powerful thing, right? And so all this stuff was happening around me, and I didn't feel anything. Like I was just, I was, I was, and after a while, I I said, God, I, I think there's something wrong with me. I think something's broken. And so I I prayed. And I was, I, didn't, I was like, God, I pray you'd teach me how to cry because I don't know how. And uh, like it was two days later, I think, I was, I was in a uh, church service and some lady was up there speaking about something that was not overly emotional, I don't think. But, um, and I heard this, I was standing in the back of the church and I heard this voice said, Mark, I want you to cry. And my response was, but I don't feel like crying. And the next thing I know, I fell on my face and bawled like I'd never bawled before. I just bawled and bawled and bawled. People were really concerned about me because it wasn't the time for crying, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Are you okay, Mark? Yeah. But ever since then, I just cry at everything. I mean, you know, I feel like it's what 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 was lost in me over the course of my life was this empathy, the sensitivity to God's heart, the, the, the hardening of years and years of a sinful life. Right? And when God answers prayer, He answers prayer. And so, like as I've been walking around here this week, like. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm always on the verge of tears because I feel, I feel, I feel God's heart for you guys. He's crazy about you. I'm serious. He's crazy about you. Badly. So I am too. Yeah? (laughs) Thank you. Uh, well, the, the thing that God was putting on my heart as I was praying earlier um, about what to say, and, um, I'm not sure exactly um, what order things are going to go in. It's just kind of a lot of random notes here. So, um, But I wanted to talk to you guys about grace and righteousness kind of my walk um, with grace and righteousness. This is, the recording is, this is a new thing for me, guys. In my church, we have a set microphone and you stand there and I don't know what I'm going to do with all this newfound freedom. (laughs) I probably just won't utilize it because I don't know how to. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, I was thinking, as Roy was preaching this morning, he mentioned um, Leonard Ravenhill and uh, Derek Prince, and I'm a big fan of those guys. So my my wife got me this uh, um, MP3 player for Christmas a couple years ago, 
We've gone through several since, but because they don't last for some reason in my pocket. But but uh, so I've gone. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sermon Index. It's like this online thing where you can download sermons, and it has all these like kind of big old time A. W. Tozer and Leonard Ravenhill and and uh, um, you know Paul Washer, David Wilkerson, Art Katz, um, like a lot of really good preachers, you know. Um, so I, when I go around the barn and I'm walking around, I'm just listening to the preachers all the time. And uh, and uh, I noticed something that started to happen. And I just wanted to kind of share this testimony with you guys because we, we, ha- we can have this te- tendency to be really hard on ourselves. Like, I could hang out with Eddie and instead of being crazy blessed and just amazed by all the work that God is doing and excited by it, I could feel like, oh, I don't measure up, right? Because because when you listen to Leonard Ravenhill, the standard's pretty high and he's a preacher of righteousness. These guys, they preach righteousness. And, that, and there was something in that that I was desiring when I'm listening to these guys is that's that high standard of right you know Jesus is the highest standard but when you see other people following and, and setting that standard high then you start to realize I was listening to Christian radio the other day and they were talking about I think it was John Wesley and all of the things that he managed to accomplish in his ministry and how he basically never slept and he traveled all the time and he'd write sev- books on horseback and you know, all the, these things. And so you, you had this like, hmm, wow, I don't measure up, you know. So you, you, you could be excited for the ministry or you could become self-conscious instead of God-conscious. Um, so kind of ties in with the shoes of Lee Baker. But like this, this whole... just want to talk about how I got off track. Where I, I started to think too much about the works. And, you know, tag scriptures, you know, showing yourself approved and doing, you know, and doing for God. You know, and, and you know, getting, because what happened with me was, I ended up caught in a cycle of guilt, shame, and condemnation where I would see the high standard, see how short I came of that standard, and then I would just lose my identity and walk around in guilt. Um, So... want to encourage you guys. Discouragement is always of the devil. Guilt, shame, and condemnation is of the devil. So grace, I was talking with Ralph about this earlier today too. You know, the, the 
standard definition of grace is um, unmerited favor, right? That, that, that may be part of it. But grace is a recognition of our sonship. When we realize who we are and the price that God paid for us, recognizing our favor in his sight. So maybe an illustration. So let's say you're you're walking driving down the street and you see somebody by the side of the road and you're like that do you get that thing in your heart like oh I should stop and pray for that person, right? Or stop and talk to him, minister to him or whatever and and you keep driving. And and then you you feel that that oh you know, I really should have done that, right? You turn around and you come back, but they're gone, and you can't find them. You know, there's two different ways that you can react in that situation. So you can be like, I was. <laughs> you could say, I'm not a very good Christian. You could say, I just don't match up. You know, God, you pay this high price for me, and I just don't—I don't measure. I don't—I'm just—and and and you could live in that place. And I lived there for years. Or the other option is that you could actually thank Him, because back before you were saved. You wouldn't have even thought twice. And God's working in your heart because you're a new creation. And he's moving. And he's teaching you things. And he doesn't condemn you. There's no con- condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So you could turn that into an opportunity of just loving on God. I had something. I was speaking at Piermont Church. Um, it was last about a year ago or so. And I was in the barn, and I'm preparing this message, and I'm just shoveling sawdust, and it's going through my head. And this thought pops into my head that was like, you're going to look pretty good, Mark, if you can pull this off. It's like a prideful thought, just like, I don't know whether where it came from. could have been the devil. It could have been whatever. And this thought popped into my head, and I had a revelation where I don't have to deceive it. It's not who I am. I'm a new creation. I've been bought. I've been redeemed. I've been changed. I put off the old and I'm putting on the new. And I started to declare this out to God in the barn. <laughs> and I was just just thank you, Jesus, you know. I I'm just so thankful that you're changing me on the inside. I'm so thankful for your love for me and your mercy and your grace and, and that you're changing me and you're working in my life and you're working through my life. God, and you're bringing me into new places and you're showing me new things. And, you're, and I, it became just a worship service in the barn. And like, it was like a cloud came into the barn and you could, you could cut the air with your hand and just, and it became, you know, or I, I could have, I could have groveled for two weeks. 
thinking about how low I am, and maybe God would see how humble I was if I was just miserable for a while. (laughs) If my son, if he hits his sister, and he realized he did wrong, and he apologizes, you know, would I get any pleasure out of him groveling for Tina? Man, I love him. It's just like, it's all good, man. Forgiven. Oh, as soon as he's, his mindset changes, forgiven. So, just really kind of a <laughs> simple word. I think. I think, especially in conservative churches, it seems like there's a fear to talk about the grace of God how thorough it is. Because we've all seen it abused. We'll use grace as, as, as an excuse for licentiousness or doing whatever. But that's not grace. That's not what grace is for. Great grace is to help us in the path of righteousness. It's to keep us on the straight and narrow and not to be held back. Grace is what is, empowers us to move on and to be grateful and thankful and continue growing in righteousness. Yeah. And, and that's, so that's the lesson that I learned through that. And that, that was just, that, that was the encouragement that I had for you guys. And that's, that's pretty much it. But you want to, I could share a bit of my testimony or something? Okay. Just, Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. God is so gracious. I haven't even cried in years. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he keeps me going. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, I was raised in a Christian family, and uh, and uh, very quickly, as soon as I rebel. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of, I guess you could say, hypocrisy that I witnessed going to church and, you know, and family and everything else. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, actually, I was, you know, Steve, Stephen, I picked up Stephen a couple weeks, a few weeks ago from the, the Philip Wilson men's coach. And we were driving back, and I picked up this hitchhiker. And uh, you know, I, I was, you know, talking about a captive audience. And I just locked the doors. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting out, man. <laughs> but so we were talking, and, and uh, I started to share my testimony with him. And I mentioned hypocrisy. So I'm just going to rabbit trail just for a second onto hypocrisy. Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, that's that's where I'm at, man. Like, I, I've just seen too much hypocrisy. I was raised in the church, and da 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 da. And uh, it, was, it was interesting. Over the course of the conversation, I was able to impart to him that hypocrisy doesn't change truth. 
If somebody is a hypocrite in the church and they misrepresent God, that's on them. If you allow people to mold you and shape you and to form your thoughts regarding church, regarding God, or anything like that, that's on you. Nobody has the right to potter you but Jesus. Right? Nobody has that right but Jesus. All right. That's my rabbit trail. So anyway, hypocrisy. Um, so I got, you know, really quickly into drugs and alcohol and you know, other other stuff that's not, you know, okay to mention in polite company, you know, sexual sin and also just destructive past. And and I was in that guilt, shame, and condemnation. And I and I was just I just felt awful about myself. I hated myself. I lost my identity. I lost my value. I threw it away because I didn't understand the price that was paid for me. Because you don't pay a high price for junk. And so I was worth the blood of Jesus, and I squandered it. Anyway, so I went through some hard times. I used to sit on my bed at night, barrel of a shotgun under my chin, trying to think of a reason not to pull the trigger. And I did that night after night, I don't know how many times. And I finally decided, well, if I was going to kill myself, I should maybe try and find some truth or some purpose in this life before I did it. So I packed up all my stuff in my truck and I started heading west. Didn't know where I was going. I was just driving. But I was going to find some truth. And um, as I was traveling, I kept running into Christians, annoying Christians. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) because I already made up my mind. I'd seen the church thing. I'd done that. Nothing there. And uh, my mother had smuggled a Bible in my truck. I, yeah, I picked up this hitchhiker um, heading from St. Louis to, to Kansas City. And uh, I don't even remember the conversation, but I remember he, he pro- prophesied over me. He, he said, if you keep seeking truth, you're going to find God. And he left a Bible in my truck, too. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, you know, I kept running into Christians. Finally, I was just like, you know, I don't have enough ammunition against these Christians. I said, I'm going to read this Bible. <laughs> so, so I, uh, I ended up reading from Genesis, and I think I had made it all the way to uh, John. I don't remember exactly where I was. It was in March of 2000. Um, I pulled over to Novaluk. I had no money. I had no um, gas. And I was just sitting overlooking the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, Crescent City, California. And um, I opened the Bible and I started to read. And it was like God flipped the switch. And all of a sudden I said, wait a second. This is real. 
Jesus, I believe you are God, and the power of God came into my truck. And we're driving down the road. And he started to take off the lead. Set me free. It was awesome. Amen. So after, after that, I felt led to pick up a newspaper. I picked up a newspaper, and there was an advertisement for a place to stay. I was like, you know, a place to rent. So I was like, all right, I'll go there. So I went there. I talked to the guy, and he's like, do you have a job? I'm like, no. Do you have any money? No. He's like, all right, move in. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so, I, so I moved in. And and I, I went, went for a hike up along the, the coastal trail, which goes up the, the coast there. And uh, I saw this building. And I walked in, and I said, what are you guys about? What, are you guys, what is this place? And they're like, where'd you come from? I said, oh, just wandering around. And so they gave me a job all within very, you know, a few days, I guess. So, so then I, I, I ended up, you know, being, uh, it was hard. I went to a church. There was one church in town, and I had really long hair. And they said, well, we don't really have long hairs here. Okay. So I walked out, and, and I didn't go to church for two years. And I realized, like, because I didn't, I was really undiscipled. I was just like, okay. Yeah, I had this I had this I had this encounter but then it didn't seem to have any practical outworking in my life. And and it just kind of went on and and you know still So that desire God had started that desire in my heart and it didn't it never left. There was something there and I didn't know what it was but I needed more. So that was when I went into the church. And I learned that lesson. <laughs> um, I learned that you could hear the voice of God. I learned principles of confession. That was powerful and freeing. I learned the principles of forgiveness, especially of myself. working. He never gives up, does he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> you know, and then I went through a period of time, God bless my wife, <laughs> getting into, you know, just some, some legalistic stuff and, you know, yeah, we'll go into detail, but just, you know, trying to live up to that standard of feeling that if I was trying, everybody else should too. Grace for yourself, then why should you have grace for others, right? God has grace for us. So that's kind of that, that's 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 Jesus and me in a nutshell. <laughs>
see what's so wonderful about our lives. The word speaks about a living testimony. I expressed a little bit to Mark. Tried to express the same thing to Chelsea. It's all difficult to stand in front of people. But you know what? Only you can tell your story. Nobody else. So if you just tell your story, you don't have to worry about making any mistakes, speaking any untruths, or try to figure out what you're supposed to say. Well, if you got this little camera up here, and I'm sure if you go back to last week, last month, two years ago, it doesn't take much just to watch that camera and say, this is my story. Thank you for being bold and willing to share your story for who you are. But as we know, this is just the step forward of many steps to come. Amen. Dr. Sean Wilder, if you want to talk about a person that has a hard time not crying. Sean and I are just a couple of ball babies. It wouldn't take much to get the presence of the Lord, and we're undone. There's a tenderness with that, but I just want to encourage you as a family. Always remember you work as a team. Lena, there's going to be so many things that begin to transpire in both of your lives. Because life, really, that you're living has surely been given to you for children, the pleasures that he's given to you as a couple, but your life is more than that. Because the very story, there's probably a thousand others, if not a hundredfold more, living the same story. They need to be able to see the life of hope and purpose, and destiny, and fulfillment. As I was telling you before, something tangible. So my grandkids and those younger, they respect me and they honor me. Honor me, but there's distance. They can touch you. It's not that far in distance and age. That's what's tangible for all of us. All of those that follow Jesus, they saw the substance. You're the substance of Jesus for those to see. So it really doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, stutter for a while or something. Be like Moses. Just get over it. It isn't about your voice. It isn't about what you can say. It's who is inside of you that just wants to be able to have access to touch the people. It's really, really simple. But it is hard to stand up in front of people. Elena, do you want to no, no, no way, no way. This is his gig. This is his thing. Don't you, don't bring me into this. Well, maybe on the Sunday, if the uh, opportunity presents itself and you do come back, because you are welcome anytime. So I want to stay in communication with you as to when that is, because I don't have any problem when you come. You just need to find out when you have liberty to come. Okay, on a Sunday. I just want to do a couple of things. Barbara Dina, if you just give that little short testimony that you spoke to me. Amen. And then Belinda, is Belinda still here? Belinda, where is she? She left. Okay. Come on, Barbara Dina. Yeah, can you stand up in front of people? Listen. Yes, you are. I just want to share, I 
want to be transparent about um, things that led up to what happened to me. And so I just want to let you know that um, I didn't realize that I was holding something dear that wasn't right. It was a friendship that I kept going with my ex-husband, only friends. But I realized that it was wrong um, when I read a book that Deb gave me <laughs> about unhealthy soul ties. And I saw myself. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I don't. I don't know where that was going. It wasn't going anywhere because we were only friends. But it, in my heart, I still held on to the vows that I had taken because we were married for 20 years. And so I just wanted to share with you that God is so good because he severed, he broke that tie. So on, um, on trumpet, I got a box from my ex-husband. And it had every picture that we had ever taken together in it. And it had, um, it had the, our, a wedding invitation. It had everything. God so ended that for me in my heart, in my mind. And I was free. I was so free. I held on to that for my kids' sake because I thought this is their stepdad. I don't want them to lose him. But he ended that too. And so, you know, God is just so faithful. And even in our shortcomings, even in our shortcomings, he reaches us, he touches us. And it's in a place that's private. And I kept that hidden from everybody because I was ashamed that, you know, I just was hanging on to something like that. And I know that, you know, it was wrong, but I know also that God had a perfect season to end it. And I've never been more free. I've never had more joy. And um, I just know that God is so good. And I just wanted to share that. And what happened? So this morning, I was doing the homework, Roy. <laughs> and I was reading Isaiah, all, all four chapters, actually. And so um, I asked God to give me a name. I did because I said to me, oh, God, I don't want to hold on to my last name. I know that that is my last name, but everybody calls me Barbara Dean. And I, I want a different identity, God. So he gave me a heavenly name. And so I just, I, you know, God is so good because I said, oh, Lord, is that you? And he repeated it again. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you because I hold on to that. And I let go of everything that is in my past, and it's gone, and it's done. So thank you for listening because uh, it was a tender area, and it was a place that I kept hidden. But when you hide, it's like the song that we did, to be honest. You know, we have to be honest. We have to be honest with what's in here. So, and you know, God released me from my vows. I had not released myself. So that's, that was the thing, is I took my wedding vows so serious that I thought, oh. I mean, I used to have prayer cloths under his pillow. He was not saved. And I would, I would bring him home communion. And I'd say, God, change this man. Please change this man so that we can have a healthy marriage in God. But you know what? God's got a better plan for me. <laughs> so I'm hanging on to that.
mascot or that danced like crazy. We all have a story. Come on. Yes. Yeah. I could see it. You could see it. Amen. Thank you, Barbara Dean. That was awesome. Oh, my goodness. I guess we have to uh, bring closure to this part of it. Micah, thank you so much for being spontaneous. Amen. It's called Epicoriego. It's a movement with the Spirit, and that's why we're purposed, you know, spiritual songs, spiritual hymns. Come on, let's be those that release, activate containers of the power of that which then transforms and changes. Amen. So let me get this right, because I thought yesterday was Wednesday. So, so tonight is Sunday night. <laughs> I'm gonna, faith comes by hearing, so I'm telling myself, tonight is Sunday night, <laughs> which means tomorrow morning we're having a workshop with Betty Green on spiritual warfare. That will start from 1030 and it will go to noon, and everybody's welcome to come. Tomorrow night is at 7 o'clock, and tomorrow is another family dinner. So bring your best plates, but bring a friend, bring somebody. Just have that time of fellowship, break bread, let them have that opportunity. Even some of the, uh, the workers, our staff, came over last night from our child care center, and one of the staff members brought their mother and her husband-to-be. So it's like, you know what? Make the invitation. Make the invitation. Amen. Father, we just thank you. And the young lady's name again? Behind you, Mark. Alicia. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, young lady. Stephen, bless you as well. Elena, we love you guys a lot. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, sincere, and I'm serious about Mike. Anytime you guys want to come and, and do a, a Sunday worship morning service, I'm serious. Missy, any of you guys? We'd love, we're the family of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Come on. We need what you have. That's why we try to, because, uh, what's her name? Judy. Judy's different from Kathy. There's times when Debbie leaves. There needs to be that blending of each anointing, and they're not all the same. Okay? Because I'm waiting for the day when all electricity doesn't work. You're going to have to sing. Yes, you can. Won't be long. Hallelujah. The reason I want to do the workshop when a lot of you have not, I haven't taught you spiritual warfare. If you weren't here when we did it years ago, but the main purpose that I really want to do this, and about three of them is this. The Lord spoke to me. I was watching the news, and when those people got shot, they were singing. God bless America, and they had their cameras on bright lights to light up the world when he started firing shots at them. And God told me that if one person 
had been binding a jealous spirit, he could have not have shot those, those people. The jealous spirit is a strong man of murder. Immediately fear come on all the people that be shot, and those that feared got shot. If you do not know the spirits, it can cost you your death. That's how important it is to know. The Bible says, know the spirits to see if they are of God or not. And he said for you to know who your enemy is. How can you fight an enemy that you don't know who he is? So it's so important for you to know spiritual warfare. And that's why I wanted to do it. Listen. One man, Daniel, prayed for his nation. One woman prayed for the Jews, fasted and prayed for the Jews, and decreed, had a decree sent out and saved the Jew nation. That's all it takes, you doing it, knowing what you're doing. Amen? One woman heard from God and won the war, Deborah. So you women, when God wants to take a nation or do something big, he doesn't use a man, he uses a woman. So I want you women to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding in the warfare. Glory to God, hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? So I want you to be here in the morning and let's get with it. In my Bible school, every single Bible school, we bind the principalities off of our church, off of our city. We're seeing a difference. And I'm going to tell you, what one woman can do. When I got saved, I went back all the way from Miami to Wisconsin. I w did the circuits. God had me go back and undo my first works. I had to go back to every club I ever worked in, walk up to the front door and curse the liquor license of that establishment and pray for their salvation. And every club lost their liquor license. It could never ever have another liquor license in that establishment again. Fort Lauderdale was fighting because the girly shows were coming up causing dope, drugs, and prostitution. And the rich people was moving out of Fort Lauderdale. So they heard me on Trinity or some hundred club and they checked me out and said, we checked the clubs you worked at, and sure enough, they were closed, lost their liquor license. Now, they said, we want you to come on our air, and we want you to close down every liquor license in every girly show in Fort Lauderdale. And I said, I'd love to. But I heard the Lord's voice say, and I saw Satan all from heaven. I said, ooh, let me humble myself real fast. Oh, God did the glory here. And I started crying. And I said, first of all, Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ for redeeming me. Then I thank you, Father God, for your son that gave his life and took back from the devil the power on earth to rule and to reign and give it to the church which I'm part of. And Father, you said, whatsoever I bind in heaven, that Jesus would bind it with me. Binding means stop and put an end to. 
forbid to refuse to allow. That's the one that I like. I refuse to allow them to have a liquor license to entice men and to sell liquor and cost people their money and they go home with no money for the family. It's a setup. So I said I can say about three words and it'll be done. And he just sat around to my face teasingly like and said, be my guest. I said, thank you, I will. And I took authority over every liquor license and every girly show in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and told them they were bound and operable in Jesus' name. The next day headlines read, Judge rules no more liquor license than any girly show in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I got a phone call that said this. If you keep doing things like this, we're going to put a cement block to your neck and they're going to find you an ocean. I said, praise God, hallelujah, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. And don't scare me because God is bigger than a cinder block. God is bigger than the mafia. Glory to God. They don't want me to shut them down. They're next. Amen. So I'm just telling you, if one woman could speak it and bind it, I said, God... What does binding mean? He said, do not permit on earth anything I will not permit in heaven. And he gave the church the power to stop it. Have you done it? Have we failed God with what's on earth? It should be comparable to what's in heaven. And it's up to us to do spiritual warfare and clean up this nation. And we got a president who wants to help us do it. That's what Mama Bay says. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. We love you. We bless you. 10.30 tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock tomorrow evening, which happens to be Monday for any of you that want to be reminded. And the, the family dinner is at 5.30. So make sure that you come and be a part. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name.